Is Andy Ludwig one of the best offensive coordinators in the country? And Pac-12 Media Day is rapidly approaching. What can we expect? All that and more on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. My name is JT Wistersill, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. Now, today's show where we talk about some Pac-12 Media Day stuff. Coach Witt's going to be attendance along with Cam Rising, Cole Bishop, and even Mark Harlan. We'll dive into all that in a second. But first, I want to start with a little thing on Andy Ludwig. And in order to help us discuss all of that, it's Michelle Bodkin of KSL Sports. And Michelle, when you talk about is Andy Ludwig not just one of the best offensive coordinators in the country, but arguably the best offensive coordinators in the country, I do believe his name deserves to be brought up in the discussion, mm-hmm. especially when you just look at what he's done over the past few seasons when you talk about the success he's had going back to Tyler Huntley in 2019 to what this team has been able to do now with Cam Rising the last couple of years. I just think the way they mare the run game, the play action game, the success he's helped his quarterbacks achieve, and just in general, Utah offense has been incredibly efficient. I mean, one of the stats that stands out to me is Utah led the Pac-12 and ranked second in FBS in first downs on offense last season, producing 365, so a year's worth of first downs, and they averaged 26.1% per game overall. So just incredible stuff from this Utah offense. And I think a large credit of that is not just the players, but especially the play calling of Andy Ludwig. Absolutely. And I mean, you can even trace that back to his first stint with Utah mm-hmm. uh, when they went undefeated in in the Sugar Bowl, that Alabama game. I, I get that they said that Brian Johnson made a lot of the calls in that game, but I mean, you have to have the game plan, right? Exactly. And, and uh, I, I mean, that was just masterful how, how he used all those players. And at that time, you know, I think Utah was a lot more heavy on wide receivers. And, and so it's, it's one of those things you can kind of just look and see, you know, what, what has Utah had to work with, you know, at at the various points when Andy Ludwig has been in charge of the offense and he's very good at catering that offense to whatever's been available. The last little bit, it's been more of the tight ends rather than the wide receivers. Uh, The one factor that really hasn't changed in either Andy Ludwig era with Utah has been the running back situation. They've always had a good running back situation, kind of have always had, for the most part, a good offensive line situation, maybe took a little bit of a step back in the early years in the Pac-12, but that also was not Andy Ludwig's problem. So it's, it's just, I think, you know, again, as far as you look at the body of work and just how steady um, and consistent it seems like he is year in and year out, and you can even go to other places he's been, and it's kind of been more more or less the same story, but I don't know. There just seems to be something about Ludwig at Utah that's particularly magical and really seems to get results. I think he and Kyle Whittingham are just kind of on the same page, and um, as a result, yes, I think Andy Ludwig is absolutely one of the best offensive coordinators in the country. You you wouldn't see a team like Notre Dame going really, really hard at him and wanting him to be their play caller, signal caller, um, you know, if, if he wasn't, if they didn't believe that he was. I mean, they allegedly got turned down once and they came around and tried to try to swing the deal a little bit more. Like, I mean, they wanted him bad. Mm-hmm. So, uh all in all, yes, I, I just I think 
Ludwig knows how to use what's available to him to the absolute best capacity possible. And, you know, we're seeing it right before our eyes right now with, with Utah and, and what, what they've been doing the past couple of years. Yeah, and you mentioned that success. Just a couple more of the numbers. I mean, Utah led the league in time of possession last year, ranking sixth in the country. They averaged 38.6 points per game in 22, ranking 11th overall in the FBS and scoring 30 points, uh, 10 of its 14. And once again, I just think, look, 11th overall in the FBS. I think you hear that and you're like, well, is that enough for a top three offensive quarter? But once again, they led the league in time of possession. That's one of the things you strengthen your defense by keeping the other team's offense off the field. And that's something Utah did a very good job of those long, methodical drives. And overall, in the four seasons since Ludwig's return, the Utah offense eclipsed 450 yards of total offense in a game 24 times in 47 games overall and they've scored 30 or more points in 34 games overall so great stuff by Ludwig since returning to helm this Utah offense over the last couple years and the success that he has helped them have and just for once again like just talking where he ranks amongst the best offensive coordinators in the country I do think he belongs in the top three college offensive coordinator is very interesting yesterday's show I had Dante Guardian we were talking about you know defensive coordinators and the list of defensive coordinators is genuinely just like if you included head coaches and a assistant coaches just most of those guys are genuinely the best like defensive coaches but mm -hmm. head coach and offensive coordinator lists really do have to be separate because when you talk about the best offensive minds a uh, Lincoln Riley um Steve Sarkeesian other ones that might jump to mind as uh, Steve Sarkeesian might need to figure some things out with Texas but back when he's an offensive coordinator Alabama they did some pretty special things over there overall but they're two very separate things because there are so many great almost all the best offensive coordinators are head coaches in general so the list of offensive coordinators is a little different but I do think the three that kind of deserve right off the top would be a Garrett Riley for what he did with SMU and TCU, soon to be at Clemson. Then Ryan Grubb with what he did at Washington, too. And both those offenses in Riley's and Grubb's are probably a little bit more explosive. But once again, I do think Ludwig belongs in the top three with those guys because of how efficient his offense is, how many times they have those long methodical drives, as I brought up a little bit earlier, that result in Utah scoring long, scoring touchdowns and eating up a ton of clock, which really helps their defense out as well. So I, when I look at the offensive coordinators, to me, there truly is a clear cut top three. And I think Ludwig belongs in that list, Michelle. Yeah. And, and as you mentioned, you know, Utah Ludwig, probably not the flashiest offense, no. but it's very efficient and, mm -hmm. and they get it done. And, and, and there's a methodology I feel like with what Utah does on offense, you know, it's, Yes, you you can be flashy. You can you know put points up quickly, and, and that's great. Like there there is definitely a time and a place for that. Mm -hmm. But as you mentioned, Utah grinds the clock out. Some of that's by design. I you know it's to keep their defense fresh so that they can keep pounding you when when they are on the field. Uh, and, and it's just one of those things. I mean, Wit has always really emphasized ball security too. And sometimes when you go a little bit quicker. Uh, you're more prone to turnovers because you're not really seeing the field. You're not understanding what's going on. Maybe you you hand that ball off a little too quick before it's secured. Um, so I think, you know, Utah going a little bit slower, a little more methodical also kind of keeps the mistakes at bay too. And yeah, uh, again, maybe not the flashiest, but it gets the job done. And, and they do eventually end up scoring. At, you kind of tend to notice you watch these Utah football games it's maybe a little bit slow to start towards the end of yes. the game when the defense is still fresh and the other team's offense is absolutely gassed because they're getting pounded by this fresh defense because Utah's offense has kept them off the field for a long period of time. That's when the offense really starts to click and put up points is towards the end of the, toward the end of the game when the other team's absolutely gassed because they've just worn them down. 
You're absolutely right. In fact, I remember a lot of times last season thinking, man, they didn't score a touchdown the first quarter again, or they only had seven when they should have had 14. Like that was just something that did plague this Utah offense at time. But then by the end of the game, they're all, like you said, it just, the offense comes on strong when it matters most. And I think we've seen a lot of offenses in college football overall where they might get off to a hot start, but then you see the other teams make their adjustments and then they get slowed down by that. That's where Utah does a great job of that. And a lot of credit there goes to Andy Ludwig, who is absolutely one of the best offensive coordinators in the country and should be in for another outstanding season with all the talent he has coming back. And uh, speaking of some of those talented guys like a Cam Rising, who's going to be leading this offense, he is going to be available to ask, have be questioned at Pac-12 Media Days coming up this Friday. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Pac-12 Media Day in a moment. But first, I want to talk to you guys about the sponsor of this episode in LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Guys, LinkedIn Jobs is super easy to set up, start your profile, and it's super easy to get a job post going as well. And LinkedIn Jobs is rated number one by small businesses in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You guys can get your job post set up by add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experiences so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. So go to LinkedIn Jobs because LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege. That's one word, all caps, LockedOnCollege. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege to post your job for free. Terms and conditions may apply. Michelle, coming back into this one, you will be in attendance this Friday at Pac-12 Media Day. And going to Pac-12 Media Day is going to be Mark Harlan, Kyle Whittingham, Cole Bishop, and Cam Rising. And for what's the biggest thing we're kind of hoping to learn at Pac-12 Media Day, at least for me, it would be the media rights deal. I don't think we're going to learn much. I think this is where we're going to see Commissioner Kalyakov just kind of use his media savvy skills to give some kind of thing like, oh, we're encouraged by it, but... Nothing's going to come of it like that. So I think that's the thing everyone would love to hear about, but we're not going to hear that. And uh, outside of that, I do think I'm just interested to hear what uh, Coach Witt is going to talk about as it relates to Cam Rising and Brant Keithy's health overall. He's going to be asked about it. I'm just curious of what kind of an answer he's going to give. Is he going to be like, they're going to be ready to go week one? Is he just going to give an answer like, well, they're making good progress? Those are probably the two biggest things. I'm very curious to hear what Coach Witt himself is going to play. Because on ESPN 700, we have heard Cam, and I believe Brant's come on that program as well, and said like, hey, we're going to play game one. But I do want to hear if Coach Witt is going to be sharing that sentiment or if he's going to keep it a little bit more like, yes, they're making good progress. Yeah, uh, I I would agree with you. I think everybody would have loved to have heard about the media deal, and I'm sure they'll touch on it in some capacity. I just don't think it's probably going to end up being the kind of information or announcement that maybe a lot of us were hoping for. And you know what? That's fine. Uh, As things have kind of come about throughout this process, they have time. Yep. That that timeline thing that's been going on forever and ever and ever kind of since it started – did not come from them. So it's, you know, if, if they're happy to go along and kind of keep poking and prodding and tweaking and whatever it is you do to negotiate a kind of deal like that, you know, they have until about this time next year. So it, you know, it kind of is what it is. I think everybody needs to just kind of buckle up and let them do their thing and figure it out. And it'll either, it'll either work out or it won't. Yeah. Uh, but I think, I think, you know, other things that can be touched on, and this is kind of why Mark Harlan is being brought into the mix this year to speak with George Klyovkov, is, you know, future plans for 
the conference. And Utah is going to be one of the leaders of the con. I mean, they kind of already are one mm-hmm. of the leaders of the conference. I know everybody talks about the LA brands. If we're being very frank and honest, the LA brands outside of being a brand name, haven't really brought a lot to the table for the Pac-12 in the last yes. decade. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm it's just being true. real. It's, it's numbers. It's facts. It's just, it's just mm-hmm. a name brand. Mm-hmm. That, that's all you've really kind of accomplished and done for, for that conference. Um, it's really, it really has been Utah, Washington, and Oregon that mm-hmm. have been the top dogs in that conference and have really led the charge, have kind of been in the playoff talk um, consistently you know, only two of the three have gone there. They weren't the best runs, um, the best showings in the in those cases. But like, you know, at least at least you can sit there and say, you know, we're 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 doing our best and we're trying to figure it out. Um, so I, I think you know, it's it's how is the conference going to center and anchor around those three programs because those are going to be the flagship programs at least for the foreseeable future. Um, and then, yeah, when you start looking at Utah, I think you know the health of the team and specifically Cam Rising and, mm-hmm. and to a slightly lesser degree, Brant Keithy is going to be a big thing. Yep. Uh, Van Fillinger is another one uh, yep. that, you know, all eyes are kind of on a little bit, but I mean, Witt has kind of come out and said that he expects Cam game one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think and everything I've kind of heard and have had indicated to me, things are on track for that. Um, now, whether mentally he looks good, um, you know, whether he trusts, trusts the leg or the knee at that point, you know, though, those are questions that remain to be seen, but at least on a physical standpoint, he should be ready to go. Yeah. Which so is it's, it's going to, it's going to be very interesting to hear, you know, how exactly they, they address that and, and talk about that. But I mean, they kind of already have been open about the fact they expect him to play. Yeah, and I apologize for cutting you off there, but you're you're 100% 100 right. And also, I even want to go back to something you touched on. Part of the reason that the Big 12 and the Pac-12 are viewed as, like, right now, the SEC and the Big 10s are viewed as the biggest brands in college football is because those schools' biggest brands being Ohio State, uh, Michigan, um, even thinking back to – or not even thinking back to, but the recent success that Alabama and Georgia have had, those are the powerhouses in college football. Those are the best teams from those conferences succeeding at a high level. Who are the best teams in the Big 12 and – the Pac-12 supposed to be, and yes, Oregon could factor into the Pac-12 a little bit, but in general, for brand-wise, it should be USC. It should be UCLA. For the Big 12, it should be Texas. It should be Oklahoma. They weren't winning at a high level. They weren't elevating the conference's brand. And now, because they weren't able to do that about the conferences, they're going to jump ship and go over to those other brands. But if they were winning at a high level, people want to watch a winner. Yes, brands and everything matter like that, but when brands are winning at that high of a level, people tune in. And I really think if those programs had been in a better position and there was a little bit more parity in college football, I I don't know if we have this whole conference realignment thing going on right now. So it is an interesting discussion, and you are absolutely right in what you said USC had a really good, great season last year. It didn't end this season fantastically with the Pac-12 championship loss and the bowl game, but that was the first time in a long time we've seen that program be back at kind of that top 10 level that they're supposed to be at routinely. So I think it yeah. definitely played into uh, a factor of why they're jumping ship now. And uh, it's definitely when you're talking about football brands, just for when you talk about recent success, you don't mention USC first. You mentioned those other three schools first that you brought up as well. And uh, yeah, you mentioned talking about everyone's health as well. We, we discussed that. I think another thing at the media day, I'm excited to hear about Michelle is I always like hearing Coach Witt talk about who's kind of stood out to him a little bit. Who guys is he, whether it's like, oh man, we're really excited to get a Leovani Dimuni, and he's, he's going to be excited about all these guys, but who is he going to specifically mention by names? Is he going to say like, man, Junior Tufuna has been great for us the past few years, but he just looks like a, a different beast this coming season too. Like, I'm always curious to see which names and which guys he shouts out. I think last mm-hmm. year, 
Um, he brought up a couple of different guys. I think he did mention Cole Bishop by name even last year, and we saw mm -hmm. he still had a really good season. So I'm kind of interested to see who he's going to bring up. But are there any other things you're curious to get uh, Coach Witt's thoughts on, especially because you're going to be able to ask him some questions? <laughs> I know, yeah. Uh, you know, I I think just the overall mindset of this team. This It's very interesting because – once again, Utah basically returns the same team for like the third season in a row. Like, yes, there's there's a couple of pieces missing, but for the most part, it's the large, large same mm -hmm. core. Last year, there was kind of this crazy frenzy around this team about Dark Horse playoff and, yep. you know, Heisman's and and we're not hearing anything about that and it's basically the same team uh you know instead you're seeing like a usc get get that conversation and that talk a little bit more and and washington and so i'm i'm curious you know what what is the mindset of the team that you were kind of considered this last year you're basically the same team this year you're not being talked about that way and you had a successful season last year mm -hmm. it just wasn't maybe as successful as people kind of maybe thought you would be yes. uh so how does that kind of play into the mindset what what have you been doing you know to just kind of quietly work on I I think honestly it bodes well you look at the history of Utah football it bodes well for them that they're not in this conversation at least mm -hmm. not quite the way that they were last year uh and so I I'm just kind of curious what what's the attitude of this team how are they feeling what are what are they thinking I already kind of know the answer yeah but it's always interesting just hearing like hearing it hearing it from them it, yeah it absolutely is always curious to see how coaches and the players are going to be approaching it from that standpoint too and I think you raise up a really interesting question like this team if anything actually might be better from this point, like where we looked at him last year, because I know me personally, I thought that uh, I just think I a little bit discounted the Devin Lloyd piece. I think that we knew like, Hey, he's, he's great first round NFL pick, but I thought that the other guys would just be able to step around him. And it did take that defense a little bit of time to get going as we saw on the season overall. But I think for, like you said, last year, dark horse playoff contender this year, not really being talked about in that regard to me, the reason for that, and I'm curious to here if this is your reason as well is because of the schedule that's the re if this utah team had last year utah's team schedule i would be talking about them as a dark horse playoff contender with the talent they return on both sides of the ball to me the reason i'm hesitant to say that is because you need to be a one loss conference champion and i think that is going to be so incredibly difficult being at home a little bit more than last year's overall. But I just think the road games are really tough for this Utah team. And there is even other, a couple, just in general, I mean, the Pac-12, I feel like is better going into this year than it was last year. A couple teams like an Oregon State surprised us a little bit. We didn't know how good Washington was going to be because Michael Penix had never looked that good in his college football career at Indiana overall. But for me, that's the reason I haven't, basically done a show yet about why Utah's a dark horse uh, playoff mm -hmm. contender. Uh, it's really because of the schedule. Do you feel the same way or is there another reason to you they're not being brought up as that dark horse contender? I think I think it's twofold and you brought up one reason mm -hmm. and it is the schedule. That schedule is hard. Mm -hmm. I think I think it was placed out about as well as you could hope for as a Utah fan uh, and, and probably as the coaches and the players, uh, the way that things are kind of spread out, spaced out. Like, yeah, there's some hard stretches, but I think they overall – planned it out at yep. least as best as you could hope for when you're carrying the kind of load that Utah's carrying in 2023. The other part of it's Cam Rising's health. If Cam Rising didn't get hurt in the Rose Bowl, and if Utah had won that Rose Bowl, I 
then we're having a completely different conversation as well. Uh, but where there is some question about, you know, how how healthy will cam rising be? And again, it's not for me, it's not so much will the knee be ready to go? I They're not going to send them out if they don't feel good about where the knee is at. It's mm-hmm. where is he at in his head? Does he trust the knee? Um, you know, is, is he to that point in his recovery? Um, and I, and I, I, I mean, Cam's a tough kid, but you just never know. Uh, it, but to me, that's the biggest question mark of all is, you know, where, where is he going to be at? And when you combine those two things, you know, if, if, one or the other or both don't go well for you. Um, yeah, it, the the season, despite all the talent that you have coming back, could go sideways really, really quick. And and I think that is kind of why maybe they're not being talked about in that regard uh, quite quite as much. I mean, there there is a little bit, but not not the way that it was last season. And um, that it, you know, it's again, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes because history says when Utah gets overlooked for something like that, and they have kind of all the pieces together. Um, I, in some ways, this is, reminds me a little bit of two thousand eight, the previous year, uh, twenty two thousand seven. Mm-hmm. The entire team gets hurt. They're coming off of a lot of injuries. People aren't really talking about them. People aren't really noticing them. I think the 2008 schedule was considerably harder than the 2007 schedule. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, I mean, they go on and they beat Alabama. Now, it's a little bit of a different ballgame. You know, the the schedule is stacked a little bit more with P5 talents, Mm -hmm. um, some of that top 25 teams. Um, But there, there is something to be said for, I think, I don't know, that that belief that Utah's teams tend to have in themselves when nobody else really thinks that they're capable of doing something. And, I mean, this is kind of, you know, this team's third go-around. So third time's the charm, I you know, I don't know. So um, I wouldn't discount them, but, I mean, there, there certainly is reasons why, you know, it's maybe not as – as rah-rah as it was, you know, the last season or two. Mm -hmm. You're 100% correct. And I think the thing that you brought up that is really important is how this, the last time we saw this Utah football team, how their season ended. It ended on a downer note because you lose your second consecutive Rose Bowl after making it last year. You know, the year before you did something you hadn't done before. You make Mm -hmm. the Rose Bowl and you nearly beat Ohio State. Then there's a lot of excitement and optimism coming into the year. This past, you already, you made it back to the Rose Bowl and you lost another Rose Bowl. It's like, well, you already did that. And now you're coming off an even more devastating loss. Plus your quarterback has an injury as well. So I think you're right just in terms of if Utah had did something that, if they did win that Rose Bowl, be like, man, look at this program. They just won a Rose Bowl. They broke through, did something they hadn't done before in their program history. Now they're ready to take the next step. I think that's a good point on the perception of this Utah football team overall. And uh, I had the Mark Mark Harlan thing on the schedule for us to talk about. I thought you did a good job breaking down one of the reasons that Mark Harlan's going to be there earlier. So I'd actually like to end the show with something else, Michelle, something a little more fun. So I'm curious for the, I want to hear your response on this because you've talked with coach Witt a lot over the past couple of years, obviously covering the team. Mm -hmm. How do you think he is going to respond? Give me your best, either you can answer it for verbatim or just how you think he's going to structure his answer to this question when asked um, how healthy Cam and if he expects Cam and Brant, like just how healthy they are. How do you think he's going to answer it? We expect them day one, but the hay's never in the barn. (laughs) 
Oh, I like it. I like it. I think for, for mine, I said, um, well, they're making good progress. I think he won't give a definitive answer right away. At least I think he'll start with like general though. They're making good progress. Then he's going to turn the conversation. He's going to go cam and brand are tremendous football players. Then he's going to talk about how people are kind of forgot about Brandt because of what Dalton did last year. Then he's going to talk about what a great leader and just quarterback cam is overall. And I actually think he'll come back all and turn it all around and said, yes, right now we expect them to be ready for the Florida game, but we're not going to rush them back. So like a very kind of coaches answer as well, but I, I like the saying that you threw in as well. Uh, we'll have to check back. It'll be interesting it's, to see with what he was one of his favorites. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> it absolutely is. And uh, with the arrival of media day, Michelle means we're that much closer to the college football season in general. And if people want more Utah coverage, where should they head over to? Yeah. Make sure you check out kslsports.com. That's where you can find all my stuff under the Utah Utes tab. And then of course you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and now threads. And right. it's all, it's all the same. It's all the same little tag at Bodkin KSL sports. I haven't gotten on threads yet. Do you like threads? I like, it needs some things flushed out, but I oh. overall, I overall like it. Um, it just, you know, it's, it's in its building process, but there's good bones, I think to work with there. So yeah, and a lot of people are getting frustrated with Twitter. So we'll see. Maybe in the future, I'll be promoting this show on Twitter as well. So <laughs> I mean, on threads, it'll be interesting to see how uh, it all plays out. But Michelle, appreciate you for joining us. Anytime. That's going to do it for today's edition of Locked On Utes. But we'll be back tomorrow talking more media day on Locked On Utes.